minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always go over and check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am joined, as always, by Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome. It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. Thanks for the intro, Kyle. Great to be back as always, but before we get started today, there was one thing that I wanted to mention. All of us who host the Packaday podcast, we we do that out of the kindness of our hearts, right? Like it's something we're passionate about, right? Um, and we've all invested some money and equipment, and certainly a ton of time. And uh, we try to just bring the audience the best product that we possibly can. And we do that because this is what we care about. We love the Green Bay Packers. We love talking about sports. We love talking about football. But obviously, there's a little bit of cost associated with getting the podcast distributed and promoted and the such. So for those of you who would be willing to support our product financially, the Packaday Podcast Twitter posted a way that you can do that today. So if you're interested, please check it out. Certainly no pressure to do so. But a huge thank you to everybody who listens to the show, who interacts with us on social media. And for those who have already went out and made a donation today, and an especially special shout out. So thank you all. We're really happy to be here. Um, and with that, I guess it's time to talk about a little bit of football. Yeah, let's talk about some football. If you've been listening on Fridays, you know that Andrew and I have been breaking down the off seasons of the Packers division rivals. Uh, we spent a whole episode on each of the Lions and the Vikings and the Bears, and we took a look at the moves made around the NFC North to see who got better and who might have actually gotten a little worse. And we thought that that was worth our time and your time, because as you know, the Packers schedule contains six matchups with these division rivals. But Green Bay does play 10 other games. And so we decided to continue to get to know the Packers 2019 upcoming opponents. So today, we are going to review the off-seasons of the Packers' first three non-divisional opponents for next season. These teams are the Denver Broncos, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Dallas Cowboys. The Packers play these three teams three weeks in a row. Denver comes to Green Bay in week three. The Eagles travel to Green Bay in week four. And then the Packers do travel to Arlington, Texas to play in the house that Jerry built for Aaron Rodgers in week five. Uh, So let's jump right in here and uh, get to know this early part of the Packers 2019 schedule. Andrew, uh, who are we going to talk about first today? Well, uh, the Denver Broncos are the first up on that schedule that you talked about. So I guess we'll tackle them first. And when you think about the Denver Broncos, you think about a couple of things, right? Like certainly you think about... Um, John Elway, Terrell Davis beating the Packers in the Super Bowl and the heartbreak that was that yeah. game. Um, still really hard to stomach all those years so later. So terrible. <laughs> um, but I also think about the last time I saw the Denver Broncos in Lambeau Field, and I believe a guy by the name of Kyle Orton was Ooh. leading the team that day <laughs> and then would later give way that same season to a Mr. Tim Tebow. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if everybody remembers who Tim Tebow was. I'm sure he wasn't talking 
a lot. But I mean, throw in uh, Jay Cutler, and the Broncos are just quite the <laughs> pipeline at quarterbacks, right? Yes. So uh, that that was an adventure. But um, this offseason, the Broncos came in. They they had a lot of roster turnover. Uh, their their losses. They lost Edge Shane Ray. They lost Edge Shaq Barrett. Um, neither one ever really lived up to the billing as a player across from Von Miller, but the Broncos have some amazing depth at pass rusher because they had Bradley Chubb fall to them um, in the 2018 draft, and they had to allow Shane Ray and Shaquille Barrett to move on. But, of course, that means that their depth took a major shot at pass rusher. They also lost cornerback Bradley Roby. When the Broncos traded Aqib Tlaib last offseason, I assumed they were going to do that with the understanding that Roby would be the starter across from Chris Harris going forward. And then this offseason, they let Roby go. They also took some shots in their interior offense line. They lost uh, center Matt Paritis and guard Billy Turner. We've heard of Billy Turner before, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, So he certainly ended up in Green Bay. And they also lost cornerback Shane Brock, guard Max Garcia, and a few other minor transactions. Uh, In free agency, they they spent big. Tackle Jawan James comes over from Miami, and he'll be expected to improve a tackle group, which has been a liability in recent history. They also acquired slot cornerback Bryce Callahan from the Bears, uh, which is interesting to me because... Chris Harris is considered the best slot corner in the league, and Bryce Callahan certainly was very good in that role last year for Chicago. Cornerback Kareem Jackson is going to attempt to replace Bradley Roby on the outside, and then they added defense linemen Shelby Harris and Zach Kerr to add to the depth that they have up front. And, of course, they have a new head coach in Vic Fangio, uh, who is certainly going to lead their defense, um, but is also the leader um, for the organization as a whole. And the Broncos seem to be the most active team in the league in the trade market, certainly because they got quarterback Joe Flacco for a fourth-round pick. They also sent quarterback Case Keenum to Washington, and they added linebacker Dakota Watson from the 49ers during the draft. In that draft, they took tight end Noah Fant from Iowa in the first round, and he is a guy that has all of the size and movement skills to create matchup problems with linebackers and safeties. However... There are a decent amount of draft experts who really don't like him all of that much. A uh, friend of the podcast, Thor Nystrom, is one of them, probably the most outspoken of all of them. Um, but the Packers are going to likely have to throw Oren Burks or Josh Jackson or Josh Jones or Darnell Savage at him to keep him from making a big impact in the pass game. In the second round, they took offensive lineman Dalton Reisner from Kansas State, and him going two picks before a Green Bay second rounder was a heartbreaking moment it that that one was so bad so bad but i have a feeling he's gonna be starting on the interior offensive line when they face off and he is certainly gonna get tested by the likes of kenny clark and mike daniels also in the second round the broncos took quarterback drew lock out of missouri and he may be their quarterback in the future but certainly if he ends up playing against green bay this year denver's gonna be in a lot of trouble so Kyle, why don't you tell us what you think about what Denver did and, and what the upcoming season might look like for them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just sitting here listening to you talk about this draft class especially, it's really interesting that that group of Noah Fant, Dalton Reisner, and Drew Locke were all really big Green Bay names that people thought that could have easily been the Packers draft if you bought into the Drew Locke hype 
of him being uh, someone that the Packers were interested in. So an interesting group there, guys that I think a lot of fans uh, really would have liked to see in Green Bay in one way or the other. But I actually really, really liked what the Broncos were able to do this offseason. Uh, first, they got their coach, like you said, in Vic Fangio. They want to be a defensively dominant team. And so Fangio definitely fits that bill and gives them the opportunity to become a solid football team, kind of regardless of what they get out of their quarterback. Uh, but I love the Broncos draft. I, I just think that getting Drew Locke in the second round is really a no-brainer. He may not pan out. That's totally a possibility. But a second-round pick on a player who might be a franchise quarterback is something that you do all day, every day. And it will be interesting to see who the starting quarterback the Broncos is later in the season. But I think the Packers and Packers fans should completely expect to see Joe Flacco as the entrenched starter in Week 3 when the Broncos come to town. But I, I really do think that the Broncos got better this offseason. I think that they have a bridge quarterback in Flacco and a potential franchise guy in Locke, and they did a nice job putting some pieces around whoever the quarterback is with the additions of Fant and Reisner, like you said. But I will say that I think it's going to take some time for their offseason investments to make an impact on the field. So I think by the end of this coming season, they may be a much better team than they were in 2018. But I'm not sure I expect to see a much improved group when the two teams meet up in week three. Yeah, and as I mentioned, Denver took some tough losses in free agency, but they countered those relatively well, and we both really like their draft class. They're going to have to rely on their defense and run game to carry the team with Joe Flacco at the helm. And as far as making noise in the divisional front, I think they're going to have a really hard time there because, of course, they're going to have to overcome Kansas City. They're going to have to overcome the Los Angeles Chargers, who right now on paper look like better teams than Denver. But this will be a tough matchup for Green Bay because of the pressure they can bring off the edge. And Vic Fangio always seems to have something ready for Green Bay. So um, definitely one that we're going to keep our eye out on. Um, something that you know you would hope would be a game that the Packers would be favored in and, and perform really well in. But we'll see. Um, so which team are we going to address next, Kyle? Uh, let's, go, let's go with the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles travel to Green Bay in week four. And I really like what the Eagles did this offseason. They were able to agree to a contract extension with Brandon Graham. Uh, they signed former Packer Richard Rodgers to a two-year contract. Vinnie Curry signed a one-year deal, uh, as did Ronald Darby. Offensive lineman Jason Peters and Jason Kelsey both signed one-year deals to stay with the Eagles. So they were really able to bring back some key pieces of this team. Uh, but then they weren't really afraid to bolster their roster with some more creative transactions. They pulled off the trade with the Bears to acquire Jordan Howard for just a conditional six-round pick, and then they brought Deshaun Jackson home for just a late pick swap from the Tampa Bay Bucks, and then they signed Jackson to a three-year contract, keeping him in Philly through 2021. That's kind of a move that I thought kind of flew under the radar this offseason a little bit, but uh, the Eagles were also the winner of the bidding war for the services of Malik Jackson, who was actually tied to the Packers when free agency opened. They signed Jackson to a three-year, $30 million deal that was obviously too much for Green Bay. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are a team that I think um, would have benefited from having Malik Jackson, but obviously the Eagles were willing to pay that price a little bit more than the Packers were. The Eagles' biggest losses of note were Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles moving on. Uh, Michael Bennett was shipped off to New England for a fifth-round pick. Linebacker Jordan Hicks took off for the desert, signing a four-year deal with Arizona. And the Eagles chose not to resign Golden Tate 
who they acquired from the Lions last year for a third round pick, which is pretty steep compensation for what ended up actually being a rental. Uh, But Tate signed a hefty four-year deal to replace Odell Beckham Jr. in New York. So no big deal there. No (laughs) shoes to fill there at all. Uh, As far as the draft goes, the Eagles made some picks that I really like for the Eagles. I'm not sure that I love their class or that they got great value necessarily, but I understand exactly what they were trying to do for their team. They picked up the heir to Jason Peters and Andre Dillard in the first round, and then they doubled down on running back and added Miles Sanders to Jordan Howard. Uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside gives them that big body, huge catch radius kind of player that might spend some time in the slot. But in my opinion, the biggest thing, and this is kind of obvious, but the biggest thing that the Eagles did this offseason was agreeing to a four-year contract extension through 2024 with Carson Wentz, who is clearly the future of this team going forward now that Nick Foles is gone. That that whole question is settled. So what do we think, Andrew? Did the at Eagles, did they get better? They're already a team that we know is good. Did they get better this offseason, or what should we kind of expect to see from them when we face off with them in week four? Yeah, I really, really like what the Eagles did. I did not love Andre Dillard as a draft prospect. But again, I'm analyzing guys and their fit for the Green Bay Packers. And I didn't think that he was a great fit for what Matt LaFleur wants to do. Um, And I'm sure Andy Herman, if he's listening, greatly disagrees with me. We certainly certainly had some differences of opinion. We talked about that in YouTube Live when we were talking on the Friday of draft night. Um, But I... I think he is a great fit for Doug Peterson's scheme. And I think that he can be brought along as the heir apparent, um, whether that be for Peters at left tackle um, or if they're looking at moving Lane Johnson around. I mean, the Eagles are in a very enviable position where nobody in the NFL has great depth at tackle, and suddenly they do. Um, they added a bunch of players who are going to continue to make the roster the deepest and most talented in the NFL. Um, I really do believe if 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 you just base it on paper that the Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in the league. However, the pressure is now officially on Carson Wentz to stay healthy. Cody Kessler and Nate Sudfeld could win some games in the regular season, especially on this roster, but there will be no more deep playoff runs without Carson Wentz. So that that safety blanket of Nick Foles is gone and Wentz hasn't been able to make it through the last two seasons. This is the most difficult home game the Packers have on on their schedule this season, and it will be a really great test of where they are uh, at during the end of that first quarter of the regular season. Yeah, absolutely. It will be a great place in the schedule to kind of see how things are coming together as the team settles into Matt LaFleur and this new culture in Green Bay. But we do have one more team that we need to get to on today's show. So let's get to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, What did they do this offseason, Andrew? Yeah, it's a surprisingly quiet offseason for the Dallas Cowboys. It it almost seems like Stephen Jones is starting to take over the reign from Jerry Jones, and you don't get these huge splash uh, free agent signings or, or really risky draft selections. Uh, but they they had a few key losses, the most notable of those wide receiver Colt Beasley. Uh, they did, were able to franchise tag and then re-sign defensive end Demarcus Lawrence. In free agency, they added Randall Cobb, who, of course, everybody yeah. is familiar <laughs> with. Uh, defensive end Kerry Hyder from the Lions and safety George Iloka. Uh, they also traded with the Miami Dolphins for defensive end Robert Quinn. Um, and 
They didn't have a first-rounder because they swapped that out during last year's regular season for wide receiver Amari Cooper. Um, and really, when I looked at their draft class, there wasn't a single player I thought was worth talking about um, from the second <laughs> round on. It, it was, it was. They may get some productive NFL players, but there's nothing in there that is going to make an immediate impact. Uh, so the hope for the Cowboys is Robert Quinn and Kerry Hyder can provide enough to limit double teams on Demarcus Lawrence. That is what this offseason was all about. Let's get Demarcus Lawrence back on the field, let him be a dominant edge rusher, and then support him with other guys. So can Robert Quinn be that guy that we saw in St. Louis and then in the L.A. Um, for the Rams? Or is he going to be a really overpaid pass rusher? Um, and Kerry Hyder, who was really good for the Lions two years ago and then got transition in Matt Patricia's scheme and had to try to play outside linebacker and clearly couldn't do that. Can he have a bounce back? I don't think the Cowboys did enough to pass up the Philadelphia Eagles or Washington this offseason. They're in a really interesting position because Dak Prescott does not look to me like a top 10 NFL quarterback, but he is about to get paid like one. <laughs> and Randall Cobb probably is in for a big year. Um, I don't do fantasy football advice because I'm terrible at fantasy football. <laughs> but if I was, I would say probably look for a way to get Randall Cobb in the middle rounds because he could be in for that really big year. Dak Prescott has proven that he is very proficient at getting the ball to his slot receivers. If they have a healthy offensive line, Ezekiel Elliott is in full gear and Prescott can get the ball to Amari Cooper and then those other weapons in the offense. They could have a really good unit on that side of the ball. But the jury is definitely still out on their defense. Their edge position looks pretty good. Um, they have a really strong linebacking core. Uh, certainly Leighton Vander Esch, Jalen Smith, Sean Lee. Those are guys you're going to be talking about. But their defensive backfield is a mess. And I don't know how you survive in the NFC without at least a decent secondary. Um, and their interior pass rush is kind of ho-hum. So this is going to be an interesting one. The game is in Dallas, but yeah. I think for any team playing at Dallas is really sort of a neutral field atmosphere. And for Green Bay, it's more it probably leans a little bit more towards a home field advantage. Yeah, you almost just kind of feel Aaron Rodgers smirk coming across his face when they say, <laughs> you know, that the Dallas Cowboys have a home game against the Packers. But, you know, AT&T Stadium is essentially an extra home game for the Packers. That's kind of how it's it's felt like there's a little extra magic in the Packers' favor whenever they play there. And I actually got to take a stadium tour at AT&T Stadium in 2012, so shortly after the Packers won the Super Bowl. And so I got to go out for a pass and make a catch on the star at midfield. Uh, but you only get one shot at it. That's how like the tour worked at the time. And so if you drop the ball, you don't get a second chance. So I was so proud of myself that I made this catch. Uh, textbook, hands catch in the center of the star. I was like a little boy out there. But it was a good time. Uh, good, good times at AT&T Stadium. But we've got to actually talk about the Cowboys themselves, I guess. And I, I think we're mostly on the same page here. Uh, I'm not really sure that they did much to get better this offseason. And for me, it's just it's really hard to put so much emphasis on Dak Prescott and to think that he can carry this team in the way that he will need to. And maybe that we're a little bit different on the Dallas defense. I think they have a chance to be better in 2019. Maybe I'm giving 
the linebacking group a little bit too much credit and what I think that they can be. Um, but I think a year of continuity with Amari Cooper could be huge. But I just think that this is a team with a relatively low ceiling. I think they'll contend for a playoff spot again, but I don't see them as one of the more dominant rosters in the league. And so to me, this is a team, like you said, that is still just a pretty solid step behind the Eagles for sure. When you made that hands catch on the star, did you stand there with your arms spread wide like <laughs> Terrell Owens when he was on the 49ers? Yeah, I, I should have, but I think I probably just got out of the out of the way and let the next guy in line go. <laughs> well, hey, you know, you can always put that on your resume. Absolutely. Big deal, right? Absolutely. Big deal. All right. So, uh, again, uh, we talked about this, but the Broncos travel to Green Bay in week three. The Eagles will come to town in week four, and then the Packers will travel to Dallas in week five. So that is going to be a tough stretch for Green Bay and certainly a really, really important one in the early part of Matt LaFleur's tenure. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Mike and Chris and Tyler. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. And we'll be back next week with a review of the Packers' first three, or, well, second three non-divisional opponents for next season. Um, The Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... First and 10 from the 17 to San Francisco. Give Jones around the right end, gets a block, makes the turn, 10 to the 5, to the end zone! Second and two, six-yard line to Minnesota, tied at seven apiece. Graham tight end right side of the line, three receivers punch to the left, Rogers under center. It's motion to the right, here's the pitch, Jones around the left end. He's got Bakhtiari blocking in front, Jones makes the turn to the pylon, to the end zone, for the touchdown! Second and short, get Jones, big hole, right side, 20, 15, 10, to the end zone, touchdown! Takes the snap, delay, hands it off, Jones up the middle with a burst, there he is, 15, 10, 5, high stepping, end zone, touchdown, Packers aren't going anywhere today, they are here to play, 33 yard, touchdown burst, to match the number on the jersey of Aaron Jones. Oh my goodness, what a play. Jimmy Graham wide to the right side. Three receivers bunched tight on the left. Aaron Jones on the left side of the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers in shotgun. And off Jones, picks his way off the right side, fights for the goal line, and did he get in? Yes, he did. Touchdown. single back offense behind Aaron Rodgers who ducks in under center from the 29 of Green Bay and here's the handoff up the middle big hole straight ahead here's Aaron Jones off to the races to the 20 to the 15 to the 10 down the left sideline and he's out of bounds inside the 10 of the five yard line of Miami Aaron Jones with a first 67 yards 